Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies across Iliatha this episode are... Hi, my name is Paul, and uh, did you guys know that this box set takes place in Washington, D.C.? I did actually know that. Yeah, because it's in the Arca Nova Trove, which is a convention <laughs> happening this week in Washington, D.C. It's a joke. It's a joke. Oh, that's fun. Um, I'm Aaron, <laughs> and this is not the greatest episode in the world. This is just a tribute. We couldn't remember to hit the record button on the... <laughs> <laughs> this is just a tribute. Uh, uh, and I am Doug, lore master of... Holy crap, is that a new Cursling model? <laughs> it is. Uh, and in this episode, we cover the lore of Arcane Cataclysm. You think Slaanesh is the only chaos god the Lumineth have to contend with? You think Sigmar is the only one leaving incredibly powerful artifacts haphazardly across the realms? You think that weird mole on your shoulder can't possibly be whispering terrifying secrets to you while you sleep? Well, you'd be wrong, my friend. Join us while we find other things you're also horribly mistaken about in this bit of lore in the Age of Sigmar. How are you tonight, my fellow treachlets? Doing awesome. It's been a pretty good week. Mm-hmm. Well, glad to hear it. How about you, Paul? Doing fantastic. It also has been a great week for me. Oh, nice. Well, mm-hmm. then I'll round it off and say it's been great for me, too. Wait a sec. Listeners, let, let me catch you up. There's a lot of things I need to explain to you. Um, first and foremost, let's start with the, not the elephant, the the uh, YouTuber in the room. And that is <laughs> today we welcome, a, this is a first Actually, technically a second, which will be a point I bring up later, uh, for the Mortal Realms today, we welcome a guest. And that guest is Doug from 2 Plus Tough. Doug, hey. I know you just said how you were, but I'm going to ask you again, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing real good. Thank you so much for having me on. I am ecstatic, no less ecstatic than I was the first time. <laughs> I guarantee that it's absolutely true. He sounds exactly the same ecstatic yes. as he was before. Yes. Now, listeners, you may be confused. Let me catch you up yet again. Um, this is not the first time that we have, I was going to say recorded this episode. No, it is the first time we've recorded this episode, but not the first <laughs> time we've had this very conversation. Uh, uh-huh. For the first time in my life, uh, I, yes, have had forgotten to hit the record button on an amazing episode that we tried to record mm-hmm. a few days ago. And so uh, in my despair, I wallowed and I thought, you know what, that's it. It's going to be lost to time and we're never going to do it again. But these two fine gentlemen lifted my spirits and convinced me, uh, it, it wasn't very hard, um, to try again. And yet here we are <laughs> given another another stab, another shot. So um, I appreciate I, I can't it. imagine having another episode that the patrons yeah. and the fans keep telling us, we need to edit that one. Do you want to add another episode that you have to edit <laughs> again? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, good point. Um, so we're, we're going to give another spin. And so I'm going to try to bring, I and my my co-host here will try to bring that same intensity and enthusiasm as we did before. Uh, but get ready mm-hmm. for all sorts of inside jokes that you're probably not going to get because you didn't hear the first time. There uh, we go. I <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah. All right. So cool kids club. You got it. So um, let's, where to start? So where we normally start is I'll ask you, fine fellas, um, what you've been up to in the hobby. Uh, and let's let's get that out of the way. Not It's not getting it out of the way. It's an important part of the show. But um, let's, let's start there. Uh, Paul, like I said last time, I'll have you start so you can show Doug how to do it. Um, what you've what you been hobbying on lately? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am working on my army for Holy Havoc um, in Naperville, Illinois, October 23rd. 23rd 22nd 23rd fun um so i i am not revealing what my army is but i'm having oh. a super ton fun um building converting and writing a little uh, story for it as well so for those who are not in the know holy havoc is run by uh 
Mr. Herner and the yep. Holy Havoc Council. Um, and it is an awesome narrative shaded tournament yes. event in Naperville. Um, so I am super pumped because I have never gone before and I get to go this year and I am super, super pumped. So mm -hmm. is this the team one or the Correct. solo this one? This is the team one. Who's your teammate, might I ask? Uh, my teammate is Steve Wren oh, sure. from the UK. I mean, thanks for the phone call. Oh, wow. Well. Okay. No. Yeah. No, no I'm no. super pumped. Leslie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. No, it's like you reached out and was like, hey, do you want to be my partner? I'm like, oh, my goodness. To all the yeses, like I can't put enough yeses in the chat. Absolutely. So that's awesome. He's still, he's yeah. still yesing to this day, actually. That's what, that's what you're doing with your hands, I can tell. No, literally today I was like, okay, <clears throat> BT dubs. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I went to last year's. It was terrific. Yeah. Oh, I'm, right on. I'm super pumped. Um, Naperville, right outside of where I, where I was originally born and raised, and yet I have never, I have never been. Very cool. I'm excited to hear how uh, things play out, and I can't wait to see another, an, yet another Spider Fang army, uh, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, Doug. Uh, yeah. Our, our fine guest. What What have you been hobbying on lately? I've been doing a whole bunch. Um, the big one for me lately has been Horus Heresy. It's just a, been a very fun system to get into and learn more about. Um, and beyond that, I've been doing a bit of Conquest, uh, which is a different game by the company Parabellum. Um, and I've just been kind of like, I've been kind of in that weird hobby drift where it's like, I don't have a specific project. I'm just kind of building a kit here and a kit there for various game systems that I've been suckered into over the years. So, uh, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, that's a great way to keep momentum, right? You don't have to stick mm -hmm. to the plan. Absolutely. Do you look like the kind of guy who's got a plan? Um, no. All right. And on my end, uh, I think last time we had this episode, I bemoaned the fact that I had one last vine for Lady of Vines to do, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. But then in penance for ruining the last episode, I made myself <laughs> do it. Um, and so then now I have transitioned <laughs> over to Durthu, or rather a son of his. Um, and it occurred to me that those dudes are also like a pain to file uh, mold lines on with all like the leaves and the branches and stuff. Ugh. Mm -hmm. um, Despite loving like the Sylvaneth range, I do not like uh, assembling them. Ouch. Yeah. Ugh. How how big of a faction are you going for? Like, it's just for Warcry or a full army? Um, yeah, okay. Doug, you've got a lot to learn about uh, Aaron here. Uh, okay. Neither, is it just for, the, very, is it just to be a shelf queen? <laughs> uh, essentially, yes. It's it's. I put together everything that comes through, uh, cool. mostly battle boxes. Though there was a, a bunch of stuff that came through the Mortal Realms magazine, and so like that, I have to put constraints on myself that way. So, um, mm -hmm. will I play them? No. Will I paint them? Probably not. Uh, but <coughs> at least I will assemble them, and as listeners know, I will put them in a box to put them on a shelf. Never to be looked at again. Yeah. Okay. okay. Pretty much your mo. Yeah. To, um, to, to inevitably be a burden on my children when I pass when I shuffle from this mortal coil. I mean, yep. that's just a hobbyist to be a burden on your children and your spouse when you <laughs> die. Like that is literally. <laughs> oh man, that's your best life. <laughs> um, I'm gonna double back to something that Doug said because yeah. I just finished reading. Um, Goleman, Lord of Ultramar. I probably got the title completely wrong. Uh, the yeah, Horus Heresy novella um, today, and I really enjoyed it. And part of the reason that I started reading it was because you do a sweet, sweet, sweet Horus Heresy podcast. I do, yeah. It's called The Emperor Protects. It uh, it goes up on my YouTube channel as well as any um, podcasting service I can get it on. Um, and basically... We started breaking down the Horus Heresy. We we did the uh, basically a book review of, of the 
first four, and then from there we we kind of we're going to dissolve into specific topics or battles or that kind of stuff. So just kind of spreading it around, but uh, it's been a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's been a great fun. Well, thank you. I'll, first and foremost, I'll ask who's who's the we for the for the listeners who don't know. Oh, my guest, um, uh, my co-host is Dan Bears of the Cubic Shenanigans podcast. Um, and he is just a, a terrific gentleman in the community. Uh, yeah, can't say enough good stuff. And it's because he's from from Wisconsin. I mean, right? Like all of us are just uh, fine, fine gentlemen. Um, Actually, yes. In, in between our recordings, we I went to um, Milwaukee and I met him there for Irish Fest, and we had a great weekend together. Oh, <laughs> it was oh, perfect. Yes, it oh, was terrific. Irish Fest is awesome on the Summerfest mm-hmm. grounds. Oh man, yes, yep, the best. Very cool. Um, and so, uh, actually, this is a great segue because now is probably where I was going to jump in and we're going to do a little bit of commercials for ourselves, essentially. And so, Doug, you mentioned the Horace Heresy uh, podcast and, you know, th- things that you're doing on that front. But uh, where else can they find you uh, online that you want to plug while we got you here? Yeah, the, the, honestly, the biggest one is just my YouTube channel. It is 2 plus tough, as in like a two-up save kind of thing. Uh, just type that in. Or honestly, if you just look up Age of Sigmar lore, I, I tend to rank pretty high. You'll see one of my videos for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, and I mean, not to piggyback up, but if, you, if, if you're going to do a plug, you know, a fine art, right, we'll, we'll do some plugs for our, our stuff here as well. Twist my arm, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I appreciate you giving me the in, though. Um, and that, hey, listeners, uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast and all of our other shows on the Mortal Realms at themortalrealms.com. Uh, you can email us your feedback at mortalrealms at gmail.com. Uh, don't put the the in there. I don't know if we have the the email address, but use this one instead um you can find our <laughs> patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms uh or the mortal realms.com slash patreon to support the show uh get early releases of the story phase and access semi-exclusive content like the pocket realms which are short story phases hosted by uh davy and myself i i love the pocket realms they're super good so don't overlook that just because they're short story phases they're not great that makes one of us um and if you can't <laughs> <laughs> or don't want to pitch in monetarily, which is totally fine. I don't blame you. Um, you can head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review. Um, throw as many stars as you want at that thing. Um, or you can just go ahead and tell a friend um, about the mortal realms. Mm-hmm. And thus you thus ensure that you have a friend for life. Um, and I also want to sneak in here real quick that we'll be talking about arcane cataclysm, like I said at the top. And I wanted to thank Games Workshop, who are so very, very kind uh, to send us that box set uh, from which we will discuss the lore within. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I think that covers the, the plugs. Uh, I appreciate your attention, uh, everyone. Um, <laughs> let's, I guess we can hop, unless there's anything else, we can hop right into that that old story phase. Paul, if you do me the honors. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. I think the last time we recorded this, I said something mean about Eric, and I can't remember what it was, and so I won't <laughs> I won't do it this time. Uh, All right. Yeah, I erased. didn't hear it either. It completely <laughs> erased from my memory. So, Eric, I know you're at work right tonight, but like super, super never happened. Isn't Don't that cruel knowing that he's out there building communities, like rolling dice or, or trash talking him on the episode? How dare we? Um, okay, you're you're lamenting uh, scra- scraping sprue lines off of Sylvaneth, so, you know, it's just like mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of business as normal. That's Tears all around. Mm-hmm. All, all top to bottom. Um, all right, we're in the story place. We're going to talk about Arcane Cataclysm, which is a nice little little um, booklet story that came with the battle, battle box, also called uh, Arcane Cataclysm. Um, yes. And 
to catch folks up or, or to ensure that everybody's on the same page here, both literally and figuratively, um, I was wondering if we could spend some time talking about, I guess, maybe the story thus far or any sort of context in the greater Age of Sigmar uh, story um, that would inform this book or would be worth knowing for those um, who wanted to, you know, pick up the story and, and start here. What do they need to know to catch themselves up? Do you guys have any thoughts uh, about the, the story this far. Yeah, so uh, honestly, the biggest one has to do with just the Illumineth Realm Lords history themselves, um, that they have their own, like, they're kind of a side quest, if you will, uh, in the greater scheme of, of Age of Sigmar history, where everyone off is off having their own Age of Chaos, and, and they were like, you know what, things are going really well here in Hish, let's mess it up, but in a fun way. And so... <laughs> I think uh, the way that I usually describe it is is two neighbors aggressively trying to make better fences than their neighbor. So, like, <laughs> it's, there was nothing wrong. Things were fine. And then it was just one high elf being like, wow, my neighbor's got a great looking yard. I could do better than that. And then he makes his, like, arcane fenceway and garden. And the next guy goes in like, wow, that's amazing. And he puts, like, in, I don't know, spiked and barbed wire and makes it, like, highly defensible. And this just kind of keeps going back and forth like a little echo chamber until nukes get involved, essentially. <laughs> um, again, no, no outside danger. This is all we just we're doing it to ourselves. And um, then uh, the their what they call the spire fall, which is a, a mega event in their history, is when all of that collapsed and everyone got hurt real bad when all those nukes went off essentially yeah so what i'm hearing is they needed a better homeowners association <laughs> to mitigate this fence building problem i mean like they built it six inches because they weren't sure of the property line and then they had to bring a surveyor out it was just terrible i i totally agree with you like if teclas had put down his role I, of mage and became hoa manager he's already got the smug face <laughs> He would do so much less damage as an HOA manager yes, than he yes. does as a god. Here's the deal, not to give a, too much of a glimpse behind the curtain, but only an HOA manager would sit there and say, you know what, they needed more HOA, Paul. No one no one thinks that way. You're the only one who thinks that way. I don't, oh, I don't know exactly what your role is. Someone who is an HOA manager, I totally understand. But yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> You're the only one who thinks that. Um, yes, yes, the solution to this is more rules. Than yes. Now you monster yeah. um, so. <laughs> wait wait we have techless failing to save his entire race but i'm the monster no you're the villain here yeah fair, exactly. fair. I'll, I'll accept it okay. exactly yeah. you're treading on people's freedoms and i just i just don't care for it <laughs> <laughs> if i want to build an arcane nuke i have every right to do that <laughs> this is, I thought, i'm sorry i thought this was america um no, yeah, no yeah, i thought this was a metrica <laughs> <laughs> You guys, oh, I was I was definitely worried that this episode was going to fall into the same like patterns and ruts as the previous uh -huh. time that we did this. But no, we are already off the rails and you can't mm -hmm. do the same episode twice. Perfect. Aaron, I got a problem. I got a problem here. Doug just made the best joke on the Mortal Realms podcast. Like, I'm not going to be able to we gotta do better. We've got to do better. All right. Is that fresh blood. You got to get that fresh blood. Um, I mean, I'm totally going to use this is Geometrica constantly. That's <laughs> such a wonderful book. <laughs> well, you like to make the like the memes, right? So you got to get the South Park, and he's all blood. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, Randy, get him a high elf helmet. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, all right. So uh, that is essentially historically what, what you need to know. Um, and so that leads us essentially to the present day. I and mean, what we're seeing now for the Lumineth these days is that. Um, 
we'd like to think that they've learned their lesson from their um, how the mighty have fallen. That's not ne- obviously we all know that that's not necessarily true, but they to some degree are, are trying to fix the realms that they have then like destroyed. Now, of course, in fixing them, are they also making them worse? Mm, that argument could be made as they're burning or etching these these runes into the landscape. But they're going about doing that both in Hish and abroad as well. And then furthermore, uh, we talk about, you know, the, the metaphorical nukes um, after the spire had fallen um, and essentially the, the realm, you know, is torn apart to some degree. Uh, a lot of those magical artifacts and weapons and, and items and so on and so forth, uh, they were lost to um, I'm not going to say lost to time per se, but a little bit. Um, they mm-hmm. are scattered and strewn about and, and folks have lost track of where they are, right? And so to some degree, the Lumineth are also spending a bit of their time going out and trying to recover those things that are out there, whether they know where they are or they're just stumbling upon them. So um, that's a lot of what their time is being spent doing. Uh, That wasn't a sentence um, these days uh, as well. I'd love to add a little bit of context for the discussion too, which is that this is a battle box. um, And this is a a battle box and not a starter box. And I think that's kind of an important delineation. Mm -hmm. Um, So... In a starter box, you wouldn't need to know anything about the game or anything about the background because you would get a massive book that would tell you the background of Age of Sigmar and every race and what happened. And this story of the Spirefall would, I I guarantee, be in a starter book. Um, But this is a battle box, and it's not intended to be a starter box. It's intended to be a little one-off story. And and Doug, you Mm -hmm. had a really great summary of what you describe these little one-off stories as. Oh yeah, uh, just like when you look at your battle tome, if you go to like the timeline, where uh, timeline's a strong word, but it basically just splits it up into ages. Um, those like little one paragraph, you know, sales pitch of an idea is, is essentially like one of those has been taken and blown up into a core set uh, to allow Games Workshop to sell us stuff, basically. And so that's kind of how I look at these: is just they're self-contained stories. They don't have an impact on the mega thing. It's just a snapshot into what's going on. I mean, I support those little paragraph one stories because the Spider King is a canon character because of one of those little paragraph short stories. So, like, I'm all in on exploring this specific one. I'm I'm super excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's awesome. I love the, the Zoom aspect of it. There was that little short. I mean, this is this isn't a short story in one of those books, though. Sometimes they are actually, and maybe that's a point worth mentioning. Is is it's it's maybe chicken and the egg, which happens first, but it's not uncommon that these battle boxes do end up being those little like blurbs in the timeline i feel like again i i want to say one of the daughters of cain ones was like a, a blurb now i don't know what came first the battle tome or the the battle box um but it this is you know that prime example of of taking one of those and then zoom in 200 to see like the the actual story yeah. beats in the events absolutely love it and uh, it's important yeah. to know that you can do this with any story that you want if you and a buddy just read something that sounds cool do it to it exactly also a great point and because there are so many of those story beats like that they won't ever make they won't ever yeah right so hey listener if you don't do it no one else will um there you go make it your own stake that claim uh this is my little story is what you'll say if you don't convert a mega gargan into the spider king nobody else cowards so i I had (laughs) i absolutely had to do it there was no choice so that's paul's dibs nobody else can have that one Nobody else can have it. It's mine. Nope. <laughs> it's mine in perpetuity. It's my uh-huh. canon character. It's mine. T- TM, 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 TM. All right. Exactly. Um, so I think that to, 
to, to the to the best of our ability sums up the context of where this story is coming from. So uh, let's let's hop into it. What do we what do we where do we find ourselves? Where do we start uh, in the events of arcane cataclysm? What what kicks this off? Do you guys thought, have thoughts on that? Well, we are introduced into a city that was a name on a map until yes. today. Um, yes, the city of Quintessence is actually having a party. It's Sigmar Fest, which. Um, I think we did a quick roundup last time, but what's your what is your Sigmar Fest food of choice, gentlemen? Oh, oh I didn't right. answer, but good question. Um, now I did say last time schnitzel because Sigmar is German. Yeah, yeah. true, 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 true. Um, I mean, I like a good corn dog. Oh no, I remember my answer. It was it was uh, something deep fried that ought not be deep fried. I believe is what mm. I came up with. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel super compelled though. You just went to Irish Fest and like Irish Fest. If we had a Sigmar Fest at the you know Milwaukee fairgrounds like i feel like we would have to come up with something super sweet um i feel like is schnitzel is schnitzel not sweet enough for you my friend i mean schnitzel's not sweet it's really kind of a savory you know it's really more of a lifestyle (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with sauerkraut you gotta know that there's like some weird but it's like weird -er sauerkraut it's probably like i don't know It's farmed like out of a, a wheat bee's butt or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. There's like a tiny amount of the, the old world that's put into every single bowl. You somehow made sauerkraut worse, and it was already pretty bad. Oh, sauerkraut's the best. It's great, especially on brats. You guys. <laughs> you're not going to win this, man. I'm Polish. I'm going to turn my Wisconsin card in. Um, yeah, your Cubs hat is showing, I was just going to say. <laughs> and you got your Brewers hat on this one. We're enemies. Um so, yeah, very cool. Uh, so, Sigmar Fest, we're starting. In, yeah, we're starting in. Uh, yeah, I, I will see you fall. Um, and uh, quintessence. In, yep. in, in quintessence. Um, so tell me more about this this year town. Yeah, essentially, we are, are very much introduced. Like they kind of give a cool little backdrop to the Lumineth, and then during this party, when everyone is distracted by the events and the, and the hanging out and stuff, the festivities rather, um, there is a Zinchian cult that has infiltrated the city that has begun to fester and grow. And they're basically looking for an opportunity to go out and get some of those long sealed away weapons and nukes and stuff like that that the Lumineth have spread around the realm of light. And so the way this happens is a cursling with uh, a freckle from hell comes and tells him, this is the the new cursling with the, what's what's the thing they call him? A treachling. Treachling. I don't know why I... Treachling. For the record, Aaron introduced us all as treachlings, so I don't know if I'm offended okay. as, or just for, as treachlets, and it's because we're the smart ones. Like we're the we're the we're the ones uh. whispering into the listener's ear. <laughs> what we are. I for some reason I, I don't I just always read it as Tiznich, and I'm like like Zinch almost. I don't know. It's just a weird <laughs> thing, and I'm just like. Oof. All right, that's, um, that's and you can TM 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 that one if you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but those this, it's basically a familiar that grows out of your body. To, to put it simply. And uh, this one in particular is um, telling the cursling, hey, here's the location of a treasure. We're going to sneak out. The whole cult gets together and they make their way out of the city under the shroud of, of parties and stuff like that. So I, 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 one of the things that I really enjoy is that the Sigmar's Day celebrations are mm-hmm. about, you know, potentially having... Um, alcohol or some other substance that intoxicates and so um one of the questions that i put in the outline is like are they literally just watching everybody all the time just in case they leave 
And the answer is yes. They are literally watching everyone. The Lumineth are watching everyone all the time, just in case there's suspicious activity. We just got to make sure that like everything is all taken care of. And uh, oh, yeah. they notice that, hey, these guys are trying to slip out. And this is super weird because, like, I don't know, they're supposed to be completely contained in this prison that I call the city of Quintessence. <laughs> and what's going on now? You're, you're stepping out of your minimum security hovel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You paid a lot of money to make sure that you had prime rib tonight. Come on. Exactly. Come on, people. Yeah, I keep them subdued. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if we mentioned at the beginning, but so Quintessence is, I think, in Zintel, right? Which is the mm-hmm. core, uh, most core word uh, continent in Hish, where if, if there are many, if there are humans living in Hish, oftentimes it's on this continent. So this is, a, a I think, predominantly or at least a large, sizable population of humans um, in Quintessence, yes. which is from from whence uh, the cult, I think, tr- traditionally pulls their people from. Um, so noteworthy in that, yeah. that regard. As opposed to Star Wars, where if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet farthest from. If there's a bright center of Hish, you're on the continent closest to. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things is they give us some a couple of names. Um, so the cult of Zinchians are called the Sons of Quintessence. Which I thought mm-hmm. was a cool name because the yeah. definition of quintessence is the most perfect or typical example of quality or class. And I'm telling you, sneaking out of a city is not really quality or class in my book. But, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, breaking curfews is the, the most classic cool kid crime. It is it's true. <laughs> oh, man. You, you're not wrong. Um, though, though leaving a party is not as cool as like sneaking into a party though right that is that uh, you know what the wrong direction yeah. yeah you got me that's like sneaking out to go play D or something like that i get it yeah. <laughs> which i have done and will do again probably <laughs> uh so we get a couple of names here um so the cursling is named the venestrati um which is kind of a f- cool name it reminds me of throwing somebody out of a window but not because you're attached to him, so you can't throw him out of the window because you have to throw yourself out a window, and then you'd probably fail, and then it would be auto semi defenestration, and and that's just something that nobody wants. <laughs> I just I just keep thinking of all the awesome jokes we had last time, and I can't remember exactly what they were, but man, there was God, we had some yeah. laughs, didn't we? We had some good laughs. Awesome you got everyone listening should go give us a five star just because of how good our jokes were last yes. episode. Yeah, they exactly. were so good. Believe me, trust me, they were top notch, top shelf. <laughs> um, uh, then we have the new model, the Illuminator. I'm blanking. Enlightener, right? Enlightener. Yes. Denari Enlightener. Yeah. The Denisia War Widow. I'm going to go with Denisia. I'm sorry. I think that's right. I'm sorry if that's wrong, but that's what I'm going with. I'm. It's made up. A, you got it right. You nailed she's it. Not, she's not a real person. She can't. You don't need to apologize to her. Exactly. She'll never uh, hear what this. Denisia, you'll never hear this, and you don't care. So, you're beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. You're beautiful. I mean, you, have a, you have a kind soul, Denisia. You have a kind soul, and also you've got like the best female head that we've received for Age of Sigmar. So that pretty. is a fair, accurate thing. <laughs> oh, so pretty. I, I want to use that in so many pirate conversions. I mean, who doesn't mm-hmm. want a female pirate with braids? I ask you. Aaron, do you want that? No, you don't. No. Because you don't do conversions. I, I spit on them. Um, so she's the one, <laughs> she was the one who was. Uh, uh, creeping on like these the Zinchin cult right so as they were sneaking out she was the one that caught caught I'll say quote unquote sight of them sneaking out and um, essentially it's that it's that um, observance I guess that's going to kick off the plot of this this book but we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a sec any other names you wanted to bring up Paul yeah I'm going to bring up one last name and this is kind of an interesting thing uh, we get another character but there's not another character in the box for the Zinchins 
but the character is a name called Quirkatine. Quirkatween? Quirkatween. Let's go with Quirkatween. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a leader of the coven. So the Venestrati, yes. the Cursling, is actually not the leader of the coven. He's kind of like an advisor. And Quirkatine is the leader of the coven, but we don't actually have a model for a hero that we would assume that this character is because this character is a Zinch Beastman. So um, that's kind of like a little departure from the box. And this was something that yeah. I enjoyed kind of immediately is that, oh, we're actually getting a little bit more story than the box would tell me where I'm looking at the miniatures. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought we covered the fact that it was just one of the enlightened. I don't want to dive too deep into this, but I just well, assumed we covered it last time. We didn't cover it this time. I, I assume. Okay. So I I read this as uh, him being a, a Zangor enlightened like the unit champ of the mm-hmm. and i guess it doesn't say specifically one way or the other but um that's how i'm gonna that's how i'm gonna play it <laughs> well you know I mean, I swear. There's gonna be a it's, it's gonna be irrelevant here pretty soon but like the different ranks in the zinchian hierarchy within their own battle tome are super interesting because they're all very in- informal because it's all secretive so like I, I, sure i don't doubt that like it's probably a bit weird sometimes you might seem like a um a shaman and other times he might seem more like a uh, just a leader dude <laughs> you know a generic and then like you're like well so i'm in charge of this cult and someone's like whoa, whoa, whoa no i'm in charge of this cult no no no, no. i'm in charge of this cult. exactly it's yeah. the weird like spider-man pointing me um, mm-hmm. the other thing is though like so the cursling like all the zinch people just kind of like hide in plain sight but they wear robes and stuff but like the cursling like you're not going to be able to hide and play in sight with another, like, literally familiar coming out of your shoulder. So, like, what job was he doing that people were like, oh, it's totally fine. You've got, like, you know, 17 more inches of neck than I expect from you, but it's okay. We totally think you're cool, and you're not going to be found out as a Zinchian <laughs> I just like to picture, like, the church lit or church what just, like, hugging the body of, like, his his brother. Like, he's just squeezing yeah. him right um, and then it's a lot more loving than I was expecting, but like I have no reason to believe that, that it's not loving, right? Like, I mean, for all we know, it's a very like uh, caring and like tender relationship. At least I hope so. At least mine would be. I would like to think so, because um, I'm the treachle in this in, in this situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, on that so, weird note, um, dare we continue? They've escaped, so uh, they are no yes. longer in Zintel, which is Quinkadinkly where Godsbane takes place. So that's kind of a fun little thing. We just had a novel released um, mm-hmm. about this little area. Uh, and now we go on to Iliatha, and we go to a city in Iliatha. And Aaron, why don't you tell me a little bit about that city? Oh, but I don't know how to... Is it Torquatais, I believe we said? Anyways, yep, so, nailed it. Uh, so the, the, I mean, he's so supportive. God, we need to talk on every episode. Um, and so the the cult sneaks out on out of the quintessence, and they they take to the seas, right? And so they they waylay some boats and they uh, ship off to the continent of Iliatha. Uh, Mm-hmm. And so the first place they roll up on are like this coastal city of Torquatais, and so it's um, this. It once was this city full of these soaring towers on the coast, um, but during the spirefall, those towers came down those spires fell so to speak um however now it is in the process of being rebuilt uh, again uh through labor uh 
sort of borrowed from uh, Zintel. It's this human laborers that are aiding the Lumineth in rebuilding the city. Um, and so they're making progress on it. And one of the hallmarks of this town or city is that these towers have spaces or openings um, through which the wind can blow and not just wind, but like wind spirits. And in doing so, they create beautiful wind music, um, which is neat. I mean, that's a great um, way to, I don't know, integrate the the elemental spirits of these regions, especially the air spirits here, and it makes it sort of a, an interesting tidbit about this little city that we may not have known. And so uh, I like expanding on and developing all sorts of places that we see on these Hish maps, which I think is, this is yet another city that we might not have known too much about before. Absolutely. They've been doing a great job with that a lot with um, Gur as well. It came to like yeah, the Gnarlwood map from uh, Warcry. I mean, Gurr more than most, in fact, because so much of our attention is spent there right now. So, of yeah, course, that's a yeah. prime prime candidate for that. One of the things that I really enjoyed is that they actually had Quintessence and Torquatis in the core book in the map mm-hmm. they have for um, Hish. Uh, and the other thing that I really enjoy is they actually changed the map for this battle box to make Torquatis and the curse lands into their own little box outs. And they replaced the previous box outs that were in the core book. So I love that they customized the map specifically for this battle box. I don't think I've seen that happen before. And I know it's a small detail, but I love that they like made the effort to make it customized. And I thought that was super fun. Oh, you mean you're not mad that they retconned two years worth of lore? <laughs> <laughs> not in the mortal realms. We're all about those retcons. I mean, we yeah, retcon our own stuff like pretty regularly. <laughs> to live is to retcon, I understand. <laughs> oh, you retconned this. You destroyed my narrative. Exactly. I, I, I don't care. I, I like Unless your narrative was like super cool, like super fun, I think it could withstand some little, you know, changes in graphic design. But, you know, it is what it is. And um, one of the fun things completely switching topics is I didn't realize that humans were in Ilatha because I thought they were all completely confined to Zintil because that's what I read in the core book. So does anybody want mm-hmm. to enlighten me as to why we have humans in a place where the core book says they're not supposed to be because that's totally a retcon. Oh, they got green cards. Um, <laughs> Work visas. Yes. The Lumineth or the elves of Hish allow them to be there like in very small groups and are in circumstances like construction um map making that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> the, the lower base uh like manual labor that, that they wouldn't get their aluminum yes. get their hands dirty uh doing themselves which i mean i get i got some clean hands my friends like <laughs> i have a youtuber's hands which means they're the softest thing that's ever been touched by man yeah i guess hands <laughs> um so the uh cult uh, rolls up uh, on their the boats that they'd presumably stolen or borrowed or whatever, uh, and they just they 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 uh, assassinated or, or, or killed just a couple of the dock workers, the do, you know the dock guards, and they they uh, make a landing here in um, Torquatis, uh, and then they spread out through the city and they seem to disappear, and so the Lumineth that have been trailing them, so the the um, Sonari Enlightener and the, her her forces that she's brought along with her notably and also her mage sister as well Mm -hmm. twin sister uh they've been hot on their on their tail on the cult of of zinch the sons of quintessence but they lose them in the city and uh they don't know what to do this might just be the end of their adventure oh shucks paul what happens next well number one i'd like to go back just a half second Mm -hmm. i knew you did look um so we've got a character in the book the enlightener but then we have another character introduced in the narrative just like we have in the zinch side 
Interesting. Oh. But we don't have a model for this character. Um, so we have we have Denizia War Widow and her twin, Liathu. Um, so this was the first point at which I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I can kind of accept that there's a Zangor shaman out of one of the Enlightened. But this other character, Leafu, not in the book, not in the models whatsoever. What is going on here? We've got something a little bit different. And I really appreciated that. I, I love these battle box little stories. I literally beg Aaron every time. I'm like, Aaron, tell me what's going on. I mean, like, I know I that I'm going to buy it, but, like, I need it now. And then- <laughs> very, I'm, I'm very withholding, right. honestly. So yeah, Read it exactly. to me slowly. <laughs> yeah. Killing me softly. <laughs> exactly. Books. That's um, a buck. It is a buck. You're not, not wrong. Uh, and uh, and so I, I really enjoyed that they kind of went out of the box here, literally out of the box, and added two characters that were not in the box into the narrative. So I super love that. Um, but the other thing is that we have a new little story, a little, little character introduced here, which is that we have a wind spirit calling itself Pareshai. I'm going to go with Pareshai. Nailed it. Nailed it. So yes, Bickham, I apologize if I pronounced it wrong. (laughs) Really, Phil Kelly is the one who has the pronunciation guide. I hear he literally has like a guide of this is how you say this. Um, yeah, it's and, in a white dwarf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't think Pareshai is in there, but you know, if you want to produce that, Phil Kelly, I would totally buy it at number one and number two, read it. Um, and so we have Pareshai visits them and he is a wind spirit. And he says, oh, beachy dubs, they went that away. You should totally chase them that way. Then they also include a little thing that it says it cannot go with them for its Huracan master, Harantio, lies sleeping off his labors overindulgence in a dockside tavern. Second time of overindulgence mentioned in this book, so I'm already yep. loving it because, like, that sounds Lush. like super fun. We got Sigmar's Day, then we got a bar that just, you know, serves cool things, so why not? Um, but the interesting thing is that Hurricane Master Harantio is mm-hmm. actually mentioned in Broken Realms Techless. Yes. And he's supposedly a mythical character, but here we have his wind spirit actually showing up, Parashai saying, dude, there's a problem. We're going to fix it. Also, my guy can't come, but it's okay. I can give you the information that you need. Yep. So I love that we have a callback to Broken Realms. I love that they took the time to do a little search into their internal lore engine which i assume they have and be like who's somebody that i can reference here because i love it i love that you took a character that was a one-off and said he's not going to be a one-off i'm going to incorporate him into the next narrative because it's amazing that we now have the depth of story in age of sigmar that we can call back to other characters that we've mentioned before yeah absolutely we haven't had that really before besides named characters. And this is not a named character. This is just a lore-based character that we heard about. So super props to you for pulling this one out of the hat. I love it. I mean, he did He did just kind of show up to be like, hey, they went that way, bye. <laughs> like, that's all he really did. But. <laughs> uh, more, more than most, right? More than Teclas did. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's, um, oh, well, you got me there. 
<laughs> so, um, but to, to Paul's point, to echo how enthused I am by reading about folks like this, right? Like, oftentimes we get so many like one and done throwaway names, especially in said era in books or like formats like this, right? It's just, I mean, which mm-hmm. is flavor, and I love I love reading. I mean, I love, love reading funky names. The fact that this is this is two two data points you can draw a line between the two, and you got to wonder if maybe they've got I don't know if they've got plans for this guy or is this is something that's going to show up repeatedly, uh, which is pretty neat. Plus, he's fun and unique in that like he's this mythological like um, tall tale like type character for the Lumineth who don't necessarily lend themselves to like the whimsy behind like that type of I don't know, lighter or like a, it has a, a lighter air. Well, not lighter air because right. They have a whole <laughs> bunch of units that are lighter than that. uh, that's not the point, but like it's, it, he's not nearly as serious. Right. And so like to introduce that into this um, army, it's uh, it's a space that maybe even the old high elves didn't have room for, but maybe now that we can have a little bit more of this, um, I don't know, monk like, uh, opportunity to expand what it what it means to be um, this I'll say lowercase high elf, but in this case the the lumineth, which is pretty neat. So it it, it offers opportunities to diversify what we think we know about um, the lumineth, which is pretty pretty cool in my book. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. when they released this model, the Huracan Windmaster, everybody was like, "Oh, it's the Monkey King," and now yeah. we have a character who is functionally actually the Monkey King. So. Again, super props. Complete with exposition dump and all as he flies past you. Uh, I didn't understand the Monkey King reference the first time he made it. I still don't understand it now. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure folks will. That'll be, that's mm-hmm. not, it's just not, it's not for me. Um, yeah. Okay, so, how about this one? Goku riding the cloud. How about that? Yeah, okay, exactly. that, there you go. I like that one. Um, cool. So, with uh, aided by the information given to them by Parashai, the uh, wind spirit they are able to regain or like re follow uh the the tracks of the sons of quintessence um and it turns out they had left this this city and headed west nope headed east young man um out into the um sort of the wilds or like the wastelands of of Iliatha, yes. um in pursuit of you know uh, artifacts that mm-hmm. um, they may find may find out there this was one point that i had a hard time with which is that west East. Those aren't directions that we typically hear in Age of Sigmar. We hear Corward and we hear Edward. And I wish that West and East would have just been replaced with Corward and Edward because yeah. that's a super specific Age of Sigmar direction. And I wanted that there instead of East and West because that's super our world directions. M- mundane, banal. What would you say? I would say Voidward if you're going outward. That's what, I, Ooh, I that's what I'm thinking. I think that could be cool sounding. You do Coreborn or Voidborn. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, I mean, yeah. Or, or if you have a uh, an equator that separates inward and outward, you could have innies and outies, like belly buttons. But you guys are you guys are just giving these away for free. Yeah, what are you doing? You <laughs> yeah. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. These are Patreon bonuses things. Yeah. <laughs> you guys insane. <laughs> God, God. I remember my first podcast too. Um, all right. So they head off into the 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 wastes of Hish, and this is where we get a glimpse or we get more sense of right, well, not everything is is hunky dory in Hish, and there's plenty of the landscape out there. Um, is relatively inhospitable, even though we're st- we're still kind of close to the core, although we're not on the core continent per se. Um, and they uh, they trek out um, out towards this um, Honori seal, um, 
which is we'll talk about a seal for a second but this region um used to be this lush verdant landscape where there's full of like golden amber waves of grain essentially um golden mm-hmm. fields of you know grass here uh but it was under i don't know under control or under protection um from this uh age of myth uh magi um from back in the day and she thought you know what this is such a gorgeous uh land of plenty i need to protect it and so what she ends up doing is she uh Back then, in the age of uh, myth, summoned this these Efridi, thinking that she might protect it from like disease or corruption or something like that. However, the Efridi flat out wiped the place out and like burn it to a crisp and, and just lay waste to the place, thus ruining it. Um, and this was, I mean, long before even the age of chaos necessarily even struck. Right, so this is it, again the pride goeth before the, this particular fall, anyways. Um, and <laughs> in doing so, uh, for the most part, this land has been un- unhospitable since then. Um, more recently, uh, there was an attempt to contain this, you know, destruction to this region, and they've, they, the Luminate did what Luminate do, in which they dropped a giant seal on top of it, burned it into the landscape, hoping to keep to contain the con- uh, destruction. Um, and that's, I think, where it gets the the region gets its title. This Hanori seal is the seal that um, is sealing this place in. Um, and I'm running out of things to say about it. Do you have anything, have anything to add about this region or what, what was happening here? No, I mean, I kind of think of it as almost like we have in our real world, the Nazca lines, like you don't see them when you're walking around. But if you look from an aerial view, you'll see these big symbols carved into rocks and stuff like that. It's, it's basically the same thing. I was thinking more crop circles, but I like yours. You would yeah. totally see that. You got some terraforming machines that are like going all jungle. You would totally see these actual letters. And and that's what they actually are. They are literal letters. So Hanori, yes. my understanding is that is it a letter of the the um, Lumineth alphabet that is literally scored into the flesh of the realm. Well, right on. And that's where yep. we're going. One of the battle tomes, I think, had a couple of runes like spelled out, right? And they showed how the different components of the runes like meant different things at different like you know, different pen strokes, so to speak, like meant different things. I never studied it that close, but I know it exists. Um, they're out. So the other quick point I'd like to make is that I love that they mentioned the Afridi because the Afridi were actually models that were released for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. We had um, four different ones. We had an Earth, Air, Water, and Fire Afridi. Mm. And they were classic models um, that were released in metal. And I, I constantly considered buying them because I was thinking about converting an Araby army back in the day. And I never ended up getting my hands on them. But they did make a reappearance in Dreadfleet of all places when they had an Araby ship and there was an Afridi, a wind Afridi, that was blowing air into the sail, the sails, which is why they were able to do a little bit more maneuvering than the other ships. So I love that super classic callback to Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I've only ever heard of, of fire ones. I didn't know there was other kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, let this be a lesson to you that whenever you want something, do not hesitate to buy it. Buy it immediately. Doesn't matter what it costs. Just get it. Exactly. You're not wrong. You will always regret it if you do not. That's yep. <laughs> that's what I've learned. Yep. You lose every box of models you don't buy. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> that's uh, literally Aaron's <laughs> motto from now on, right? Right. Look at this face. Does this face look like it has regrets? No, because look at those I mean, shelves, my man. The bank account might. 
bank accounts are just a number, man. Uh, <laughs> bank accounts go up and down. Models, they last forever. They last forever. Oh, man, this is – we should make motivational posters like a cat on a wire. But, you know, bank accounts go up and down. Models last forever. You can do forever. a grift on a wire. It'd be great. Yeah. Oh, gosh, man. We are we are advocates for this hobby. Don't you forget it. Um, all right, so they're heading out into this uh, this this blasted region um, uh, outside, um, essentially outside Torquatis to the uh, what is it? Cor- uh, not Corward, uh, Edgeward uh, from from the city. Um, and uh, as they pass through this Honori Seal region, they they get closer and closer to the actual. I don't know site or um, home of of this ancient age of myth. Uh, Magi, uh, and they find that um, it's it's actually a series of tombs, and so they were they were seeking this Ar- Arcana trove, or Ar- an Arcanova trove, and it, it, they believe that this trove of magical you know artifacts are found within these tombs. So um, these are the tombs of Sarandua. So as we mm-hmm. kind of mentioned earlier, there's a character in this story who has a bunch of clones because back in the day, clones weren't something that were legal. Until everybody realized that they were going to go super crazy and kill everybody and, and it was going to set off, you know, all kinds of problems with the age of chaos. But it's totally okay until they realize that, oh, yeah, this was a really bad idea. Um, and so we have this character called Sarandua that in the age of myth, um, she created all these different spawns of herself. And as each one died, she apparently buried them and she buried them with the magic items that they had collected during their life. And so that's what this Arcanova trove is, is all of these incredible magic created items that the clones were using or were in possession of at the time that they died. And, and, and so this is one thing I wish that they had maybe done a little bit differently or just uh, done narratively a little bit more interesting because it really smacks to me of a storm vault but yeah. it's not protected. And, and I wish it was something a little bit different. Um, but like, not that it takes me out of the story, but it's just like, oh, this is another storm vault, but it's a bunch of tombs. But instead of the tombs being protected by something, they're being just left out in the open. Okay, I get it. This is how we're moving the story forward. Yep. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a monopoly on storm vaults or the storm vault concept. Like like I said at the top, anybody can lose just whoop, forget where magic items are. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. Um, heaven's the best. <laughs> okay, place. but like, at what point is it like no one in this setting stood a chance simply because their heroes couldn't like get it together and, and use like a, I don't know a junk drawer or something like that? Like <laughs> it's like don't just bury it, give it to me. Like I, I let me let, let me use it. Give it to like someone. Defend, defend my family, but no, you're gonna bury it in the dirt instead while cast chumps on my kids. Like um, let's not classify junk boxes as bits boxes because I'd be in super in trouble because I have so many Age of Sigma magic items in my bits boxes it would be absolutely terrible and i would be completely destroyed if anybody figured it out don't come (laughs) into my house and steal all my bits please if i opened all of your kitchen drawers how many of those drawers would i find bits within i'm not wholly bits but they're not completely bits but how many would i find some bits in there uh probably at least three i bet you three yeah at least three um, next time i come over I'm, I'm i'm snooping oh crap we're in trouble um one of the interesting things though is that they mentioned that srandua had five clones which is interesting because 
You're only allowed to have one clone now in Iliatha, and Iliatha is the continent of of cloning. Is the continent? Yes, I believe so. I forget what's going on, right? So, um, so we don't have that many clones to find stuff, but apparently we got some like super super sweet loot to find and to figure out what's going on. And one of the things that I enjoyed about the story is that we don't find about out about this because of the curse thing per se. We find out about it because of the Tretchlet, because the Tretchlet has this knowledge of there's these super sweet magic items mm-hmm. that you totally need to go and find because they're going to help you to figure out how to destroy everybody and take over the world like Pinky and the Brain, but it's Zinch. So go have fun and go kill things. Okay, well, now, now I have to picture that the Tretchlet is voiced by the Brain. And All right. The, the I think that's a great call. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we did this twice. We should do every episode twice because we really ring this thing out and like and double up on the great ideas. Yeah, you guys um, have fun with that. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my show. <laughs> see ya. Um, all right. Uh, so um, we, the, the, essentially the two I don't know, war bands or whatever you want to call them, the two armies arrive at these tombs of Sarando. Uh, Zinch got there first and they're um, they they, uh, they find these tombs and they're about to search them, but then they look up on the horizon or up on the, you know, on the dawn of the third day, they see up on this, you know, this cliffside, they see that the Lumineth <laughs> look found them. Dawn coming from the east. Yeah. And so they're staring them down and mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a pregnant pause as they like, is they, the camera shifts back and forth to each one of them getting closer and closer to their eyes as they're, um, and, uh, at the last moment, the Lumineth charge, uh, the the sister mage d- dies. Don't worry about that. Not a big deal. And then we jump into uh, the the I don't know the battle box proper where the actual game takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll 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 pause there. Uh, do we need to get? Have we missed anything? Do we need to add anything else to the story before we jump into the? No, I think that's fine. It's really all of this is just pretext for giving us a where and a why for a, a battle. And that's, I mean, and that's all these little two-player boxes are intended to do is just pit forces together. And so it does a reasonable job. It gives you all the backstory you need for it. That was pretty well done up to this point. Because from here, you and your opponent start determining what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing that I really enjoyed is that they introduced this Iliatha character and then they kill her before the actual battle happens. Yeah, she got punked real hard. Yeah, she got super punked, like, oh, point at you and you're going to die. And you're like, okay, I die now. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that they added characters that weren't in the box to add more narrative interest. In, interest. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them doing that previously. And that's something that I really enjoy. If you're like, I got a cool story and I want to tell it, and it's not included in the plastic, but it's okay because we'll have fun and we'll make it work. Even if they kill those extra characters immediately, uh, nope. and they have no, I'm totally fine with that <laughs> because it adds a little bit of interest. It adds a little bit of tension of like which character is actually going to die. Right? It could have been Denezia. It didn't have to be Iliatha. So, well, I, I think so Iliatha is the continent. Is is that the name of the other person too? I can't remember what the other person's name is. It's something very similar. Oh, I understand. Close. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So. Uh, the Lumineth take uh, take the first casualty. Uh, Zinch gets first blood, uh, but then the battle is joined for real. No more cat and mouse. We're actually whatever cat and mice do when they reach each other. Um, and so the first this introduces us to the first battle essentially, right? And so it's it's both a fight. They're at at each other's throats, but there's more to it than that because they're both yes. struggling and uh, looking to find these artifacts as quickly as possible. A to get there before their enemies do, but B mm-hmm. hopefully to maybe even use them in the fight that they have in front of them. And so that's what we see initially is this uh, 
battle combination battle and uh scavenger hunt essentially which all the best scavenger hunts are a combination battle scavenger hunt everybody knows that um and so actually paul did you see that there this weekend there was the um alice in wonderland scavenger hunt downtown i don't yeah if you got downtown i actually i i found a couple of things that were in the scavenger hunt without even intending to so i must be really good at scavenger hunts (laughs) yeah and and you also killed a couple people so like i mean super good exactly same thing same thing anybody don't tell anybody i just told the the tens and tens of listeners of this uh, episode. Uh, so yeah, so that's the, the the small I guess it's skirmish essentially because they they're of two minds, uh, hunting for artifacts and also trying to you know kill the other guy who's also searching for artifacts. Um, yes. Where do Doug? I haven't heard from you in a while. Where do we go from here? Okay. What's next? Uh, so we have this big old fight with magics going crazy as they keep getting closer and closer into this this. What is essentially a grave slash um, mausoleum? I don't know how else to word that. Those are both good words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And then uh, they come to a. Are you on the shattered land part? Yeah, right. So they 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 find the artifact, and that's essentially where we go from. So uh, the race is on to find uh, to find what they can, and guess what? It wouldn't be a good story if they didn't find any artifacts. And so what they digging through the stand, they they uh, are. are rummaging through one of the tombs and ah uh one of the uh, zinchian cultists uh hand aloft uh shows that they found this whoop, it's got an item uh this realm shatter uh prism essentially everybody, everybody yes it turns out that's what they're looking for um and there's triumphant music the the music swells uh, maybe some mm-hmm. final fantasy mm-hmm. victory a tune gets played <laughs> and it's cut short immediately uh because as soon as the the realm shatter prism is found uh beams of light start geysering up from the um from the earth i believe in it if i'm termed for it shafts of geo arcane magic light erupt and start immolating uh friend and foe alike so mm-hmm. whoops okay maybe that was bad idea to be pulling this out um because now there is a an eruption um a shattering uh the everything's gone to heck um all about and so it introduces a whole new element to this battle because now the artifact's been found it's a matter of who gets to keep it um and uh that it, essentially is the phase two of this uh, battle that we see here is um, trying to wrest control of this prism um, and not losing too many of your allies uh, in this light eruptures um, as, as the fight continues. It's very dramatic, everyone. Just imagine how many like little things that you would have to kill in World of Warcraft in order to make sure that this rare item drops in front of your character so you can find <laughs> it. a massive amount. Too real, Paul. Too real. And actually, you're right. I do have to go grind. So I'll catch you guys later. This is, I mean, this is good enough, right? Like, this was, we, we got it. We did a pretty good job, I think, thus far. Because um, Wrath of the Lich King Classic comes out in a couple weeks and I got to get ready. Um, Nerd. Yeah. So uh, the, the prism is found. People are getting burned up left and right. Um, what happens next? Who's got, who's got thoughts for me? Arcane Duel. Yes. They have a full blown dragon ball z fight complete with exposition and everything <laughs> um there's a really great fight scene i hear at the end uh the, the artwork for it looks great and then it's called the sorceress showdown is the name of the mission and basically i, I don't know i want to get your guys' opinion about this so i love wacky missions and the way that they spelled this out is that like magic has completely destabilized around them it basically like control 
A deletes the uh, <laughs> how magic works and comes up with its own system, which is just rad. What do you guys think? I love it because this is like straight up, almost no changes made. This is how magic worked in the fifth edition of Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. We had these little magic cards that you would cast, and hey, guess what? We got a new spell lore that you can cast just for this scenario. Mm -hmm. And then you used to roll 2d6, and that was your power dice. Or if you were on the opposite side, that was your dispel dice. And you could cast as many spells as you wanted to, or dispel as many spells as you wanted to, as long as you had dice. And I, I read this, and I'm like, this is super fun. And I remember playing this in 5th edition. It was super crazy and wacky, because like you could make anybody a spellcaster. And I thought it was super fun and super narrative to include this in a place where you have a ton of magic just living on in the world, and everything would be terrible. And so... <laughs> We get to eliminate one of my previous errors in the last podcast and say it was amazing because there were only two wizards in this box. So it's going to be really evenly matched in the scenario. Yeah. Great fun to play. Very only, balanced. Only two wizards? That's surprising. But you know what? It must be true. Um, I, I bet somebody looked up the keywords and made sure that I was wrong <laughs> because I asked them to. Um. Yeah, so uh, it is. It is. Uh, it, it, it with these wacky magic rules comes a wacky scene, right? And that these two wizards are dueling. Um, the the ground is sort of erupting, and like the laws of gravity are flipped on their head, and so like the, the chunks of rock in realm crust, I think they use, uh, start floating. And so now it's a, not a, not not just a regular magic duel; it's a magic duel while you're standing on floating, uh, uh, spinning, um, uh, crashing uh, rocks and ground and earth and it's it's very three-dimensional in, in many ways that you know the game oftentimes isn't uh and it's it's quite the scene um as they're casting spells left and right at each other the armies are disappearing let, i mean getting yes. eliminated uh every which way and really what it boils down to are these two mighty casters uh trying to ensure that um you know they're the ones left standing how very dramatic side note i have a question <laughs> how much of the town's population do you think this cult made up of like like as, as the people of quintessence going to wake up tomorrow just their population being absolutely devastated yeah like and they're gonna be like actually we found your friends like a continent away <laughs> it's it's i mean yeah it, and they're just interspersed in like regular jobs yeah. and stuff too he's like yeah, where's exactly. where's my baker like i don't yep. i need uh, bread <laughs> imagine like you just had a great time last night you were had a ton of alcohol and it was super great and then you wake up and the brewer is gone and there's no more alcohol left. And you have a massive hangover and you're like, no, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I can't fight this hangover by having more alcohol. What did you do to me? Um, all right. So uh, <laughs> the the basically what it boils down to is the, these two wizards are, are the last two standing. The um, Sonari Enlightener and the um, the Cursling, uh, who obviously has my, uh, quite a bit of sorceress oomph uh, behind him using the treachlet uh, casting spells. Um, mm -hmm. It comes to a head. The, 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 the story ends. How does it end? Where, what, who comes out on top? What do we, what do we find out um, at the end here? Well, uh, there's actually a really great plot twist. So um, essentially, uh, to answer to your question directly, there is no canonical ending, right? These things are like you and your opponent decide what happened. But that oh, being said, um, there is a little narrative thing here on the last page, right, where the uh, the pitch battle profiles are. And to put it really shortly, we learned that Widowmaker, or sorry, War Widow, uh, the main uh, Lumineth leader that we've been following, is one of the clones of the person whose tomb this has all taken place in. 
So like this person existed many moons ago, created a whole bunch of clones, and then one of them found a group of people or Zinch cultists on their way to raid her own tomb, or at least one of her clones. And so we basically get the heroic, like, I don't know. I am no man. And like, she just goes ballistic and, and murderates him real hard. <laughs> and, but it's in doing so, yeah, it is revealed that, um, she is in fact, what was their name again? Sarandua or Sarandua. Saran- Sarandua. Yes. I'm sorry. That's a hard one to pronounce. <laughs> but it was like Sarandua number 18. Yeah. The 18. Yeah. Right. We're like, oh, there was only five. Oh, nope. Where is actually 18. And also, oh, that character least. got punked super early. She was also a twin mm-hmm. on a clone. Oops. Sister like, you know, like, Yeah. And then your sister calls Raid, and then you go and, like, meet them, and you get punked. Like, I mean, like, to live how many thousands of years just to get punked by a, a cursling is just not not a great ending for that character, let's be honest. Could be worse. <laughs> um, so, Paul, when you said five earlier, you were, you were, you were, you were pulling one up pulling one over on us i mean i, I literally it. was reading the bat reading the book here and it said there was only five i i, I just don't know what happened listeners you can't trust what paul says just let this be a reminder to you um, i mean you should have known that by now but like yeah let's just repeat it again um <laughs> so we talked about this before uh but this this quote still throws me for a loop though at the end isn't that the the um the cursling yells out as sort of he's being destroyed to um what we ne- then find out later is Sarandua the 18th um but he says uh, this next cycle shall not be so kind Alathian as it's screeched as it's fa- as it fades away and so it, it, he references the cycle and I'm still not I mean I, I think it's v- vague or intentionally not specific but there's apparently some some cyclical nature to this battle of theirs and mm-hmm. um i don't know that we know much more beyond that but how very interesting how how very tantalizing mm-hmm. what she did is she made a cursling but only two treachlets so it's just basically two things that can't move and can't do anything yeah. that just dissolve into ectoplasm which is like a terrible way but also an awesome way to kill the bad guy in the story mm-hmm. you know? So one of the things that I loved about this battle box in particular, because I'm obsessed with these battle boxes, I've already said multiple times, um, is that we didn't get kind of like a basic, this is what Lumineth are, this is what Arcanites are. What we got was we got this introduction into this specific part of Hish, and then we moved to another part of Hish, and then when we got the standard, like, this is what a unit is, um, it was actually pertaining to the characters in the box, and it was a little interesting because we hadn't heard that before. Sometimes we get a little bit of redundancy when we're talking about the characters. Oh my god, um, yes. But um, in this one, a lot of it was made sure that the narrative is moving forward. And so when we got to the scenarios, they're also interspersing the narrative. And I love, love, love that they actually codified it and said this is narrative play rules this is how we play a narrative play here's three scenarios to play if you're playing a narrative play with this battle box and it was super fun because they started out the way that battle boxes usually do that you don't include every model Mm -hmm. in the box in the first game you add it in later when you have a more full battle and to come to the conclusion of the story Yep. which I really, really enjoyed. It, it felt a lot more contextual and it felt a lot more intentional than previous battle boxes have. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved that that choice. 
Which you, which what is your favorite of the two player battle boxes they've put out? I'm oh, just curious, man. just to compare. So my favorite is actually I cannot remember the name of it is, but it's the Sylvaneth versus Gloom Spike gets one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Loon, Loon Spire or something yeah. like that. Loom Loom Curse. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and and the reason why I love it is because it created this own little world where there was a Sylvaneth civilization living underneath Scrappa Spill or super close. Um, and the whole twist of the, the story was that the Sylvaneth had a realm gate into Hish. And so they would stare into the realm gate and that would make them more intelligent as they contemplated the mysteries of Hish. And so they it. became super intelligent Sylvaneth facing these absolutely crazy and deranged Gloom Spike gits as they, you know, bounce in on these squigs. And I just thought it was a super cool little story, again, that you would find in one paragraph in a battle tome, but to find it extended and find it improved was just super engaging for me in particular. And what I love is how few models it takes to uh, to tell some of these stories. You know, I said you can make mm-hmm. any of these yourself. Like, anyone who buys these boxes and, and actually plays full AOS games of 2,000 points knows this is not a full army, right? It's a starter but or, or a supplement, but it's not a full army. And yet here with partial armies, we're taking entire story arcs based on, you know, stuff we'll see inside the battle tome. So I thought, I thought it was a great set. Right on. Very cool. One little detail that I hadn't mentioned yet um, is that there is a cool little throwback again in the second part of the the book where there's a little box out and it talks about Iliatha and it kind of talks about clones and how they're terrible and we haven't figured out that this is the way we need to do it, right? Yep. It's kind of a throwaway box. At the bottom, there's a statement that says, Archibald Lazerne, High Magister of Settlers Gain. I love this box out because Archibald Lazerne is a character that we've heard about before. He was in Broken Realms, Techless. And he actually had a box set released that was two Lumineth, not Lumineth, two Cities of Sigmar Luminarchs in a box. And then one of the characters was assembled as an individual character. So this is a named character that we have to have a model released and we have artwork for. And if you remember from Broken Realms, Techless, where they had two Cities of Sigmar or more, Luminarchs show up to concentrate the fire to actually kill Nagash. He was the character that was mentioned. And the kicker is this wasn't the first time that we've heard of Archibald Luzerne. There was actually a short story leading up to Broken Realms about a student that was in Zintil that was learning from a professor who was called Archibald Luzerne. And Archibald was super negative about the Lumineth. And then he disappeared for like a day. Then he came back and he decided that the Lumineth were perfect people and we need to obey them in all ways because they're amazing. So the implication in the short story is that he's been mind wiped by the Lumineth. He went up to one of those little crystal geode cages that they have floating in the sky over Zintil, over Settler's Gain, and was re-educated. Pick what word that you want for that. Then, after that happens... He leads this charge with Lumineth to take and kill Nagash through Teclis's instruction. But at that point, he's just a war magi. First, he's a professor. Then he's a war magi. 
But in this little box out, it says that he is now the High Magister of Settlers' Gain. And because I just read God's Bane, that is the most powerful human in Settlers' Gain. So this character that we literally don't have rules for and is kind of this little side thing, we get this pullback to move from Professor to War Magi to High Magister. And I love that we know who he is and we know that he's been mind wiped and he's completely controlled by the Luna themselves. And it was just a little touch that really threw me for a loop because I love how much care and attention that you put into it again that you looked up and said, I'm not just going to make a little reference. I'm going to actually include the previous lore. And again, I love that the lore is deep enough that we can find characters to include when they have these little box outs. It was fantastic and amazing. I love the fact that you are directly addressing the person who wrote this. Um, yeah. And in, in that we're definitively sure that they are listening right, right this very second. Oh, of so, course they are. Of course they're listening. To that end, I'll say, hey, thanks. From from media, yeah. um, you did us a solid. Thank you. <laughs> Respect. Um, all right, very cool, very neat. Um, any other uh, thoughts? I, I want to jump into some of the, um, the 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 special rules that come through fighting these battles in the Arkanova Trove, Iliatha, which is this region where the the fights actually took place. Uh, the rules are reflective of this, you know, of this lore of this background that we're seeing here. And I wanted to see if you guys had any favorites. Um, I guess that's the prompt right there. I just said it. So did you guys have any uh, things that jumped out at you for in these realm rules that sort of colored the region where these, these fights were happening? What, what, what you liked about them? I, I didn't really, um, I kind of expected more. I do like the, um, what is it called? Arcane vo- volatility. You can use this command ability at the start of your hero phase. The unit that receives this command must be a wizard until your next hero phase do- double the result of a casting roll for that wizard. Which is like, that's rad. <laughs> um, but other than that, like it, it didn't have any crazy rules. I don't think. I mean, sure. Well, it's neat because I think some of the rules play off each other a little bit, and maybe even specific, specifically the arcane volatility. Um, a lot of what the rules that we see here, whether it's the special like um, like region rules or other command abilities that can be given, are really focused on mages and magic and casting and things like that. And so, as we found that this is a region that was racked by the spirefall, and it's and it's essentially a rough shape, but it's still like. I don't know if it's soaked or, or, or it's uh, awash with magical energies. Um, we find that the echoes of the Spirefall show that um, there's still like the echoes of that downfall um, still linger in this region. And um, casting spells is an innately dangerous thing because there's all sorts of power here, as we found for your arcane vol. vol- volatility um but if you use too much of it and you cast too powerfully you run the risk of hurting yourself which is you know very reminiscent of like power what is the power overwhelming or whatever it was in eighth where like you cast too hard and then you hurt yourself Um, unstoppable force or whatever or something yeah there you go or irresistible force no i'm already forgetting what it's called anyways um didn't play fantasy that's my excuse. I don't know what yours is. <laughs> it is irresistible force. You're absolutely Here, correct. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, it's, it's, re- it's reminiscent of stuff like that. So, like, sure, you have the opportunity to, like, there's the realm is awash with this magical energy, but you use too much and you're going to hurt yourself. Um, and then also there's this command ability where you can, like, um, there's the secrets of the past of this region, right? It's it's awash with secrets. There's all sorts of stuff that lay buried just underneath the uh, surface and, um uh, should someone be brave enough to conjure magic here? Um, you have to. You're, you're dwelling in this unknown like realm, right? This is 
power that is unfamiliar to anybody who are walking, you know, in this region. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So that it, thus it allows you um, to continue to cast extra spells, right? So again, like there's plenty of opportunity to be incredibly powerful and use this magic to your um, to your benefit, you know, or to your enemies detriment um but you still run the risk of hurting yourself which i thought was between all these different rules really lend themselves to that like narrative um which is pretty pretty jazzy paul did you have anything any standouts here that caught your attention yeah i really like the united and purpose rule uh start of your charge phase two friendly units are within six inches of other you can make one charge roll to determine the charge distance for both units in that phase um not that it's like oh it's the coolest rule and it's the best thing ever it's a fun rule and i really enjoy it but it highlights something that I really enjoyed about the writing in this narrative, which is that we have the Venestrati and we have Quirkatine, and then we have Denesia War Widow and we have Liatha. And it's revealed at the end of the book that Denesia and Liatha are twins. But then we also have the Cursling, who was kind of a twin with himself, but we have these yeah. two characters, Venestrati and Quirkatine. And then even when we go to the actual battle line units, we have the Arcanites. That are 10 models and then the hero has a vulture that does his bidding and then we have the uh the lumineth archers who are 10 models and then they have a hawk that do their bidding i like the reflection of the two units together and i like the twins theme that they kind of wrote into the story and also yep. put into the models themselves and so i i enjoy that that was a narrative that was put in in the rules as well i enjoyed that a lot mm-hmm. That's a good call out. Paul, what a great segue. Because, hey, how about we spend some time talking about the two factions or the armies or the, the, the things that we've discovered uh, as it relates to the Lumineth and the, the Zinch forces here. And what better way to dig into them by than by uh, bringing up some listener questions that listeners from our Discord have, have asked us. Um, and so just as an aside, for those of you who are interested in asking questions on the Moral Realms, um, what you need to do is you need to hang out in our Discord all the time at www.themoralrealms.com discord do not sleep that's the last thing you need to be doing because if you're sleeping you're not sitting there watching when i ask hey guys we're going to be recording an episode would you like to ask any questions if your eyes are closed and you are snoozing you'll miss that message and you won't have the chance to ask your burning questions that are deep with inside your chest the fact that you can even sleep at all while you have those questions inside you is a miracle i don't understand how it works so um hang out ask your questions and you'll get read on the show like we're gonna read right here so First things first. Let's start, maybe let's let's tackle the Zinch side of things first. Um, and it's worth noting that there's this new, old uh, um, unit or, or hero in uh, this sports. It's this this Cursling. We've had a Cursling model before. Um, we've got a new updated version of it currently. And so Chrisling from the Discord asks, "Are we back to the Cursling?" in caps, uh, a unique character like in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, or are there still multiple Curslings like in AOS? Um, we've hinted at it, but we, we can answer that question directly here, folks. Is there a singular Cursling or are there multiple Curslings in Age of Sigmar? All of the Curslings, multiple. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a status, not the, oh, it's an affliction, really, than it is. <laughs> or, a, or a blessing. I mean, it depends yeah. on who you ask. Um, but yes, there are multiple ones. So we are no longer dealing with Village the Cursling, which is what, what the character was named, right? Um, is he an interesting character or is it just kind of a side thing? I just know him by name. That's the, this as far as I, I got. Though I do believe they're releasing him in Total War. If not already, then soon. I think I just saw that somewhere. Again, I don't really play that either, but I do keep tabs on when they come up with new stuff. Um, but 
the the concept was cool enough not to put words into GW's mouth, but I believe they were they were digging the idea enough that they wanted to keep that model in perpetuity into Age of Sigmar, and so they've updated it furthermore to really um, cement its place in uh, the mortal realms. So very creepy. Um, Crystalling also asks, uh, what items is Zinch looking for in Hish? Does it relate to the current main storyline in Gur? Um, no, nah, it doesn't relate, but um, he's looking for guns, bombs. Uh, right? And it, although like weapons and powerful, you know, artifacts, I don't know that anybody knew what they were looking for directly or specifically. The very no. nature of the things lost in the realms is that they didn't know what was out there. It's just a matter of, oh, we'll stumble upon what we can find. And so I don't think anybody specifically expected to find that uh, prism that they did. Um, they just knew something was going to be powerful out there and it was going to be bad news for whoever they pointed and shot at so um that's what we found uh to your uh akarian had asked a really oh sorry let me pause to give it due it's due diligence uh listener akarian uh, asked a related question which is to say uh what is the impact of the era of beast on zinch's agenda whether i'll say this is me editorializing whether in this book or the story at large uh do we think that the the era of the beast has any effect on zinch whatsoever what do you guys think about that no no, I mean, not particularly yet. I'm really hoping the new battle tome explains how it affects them, but nothing really concrete yet. Agreed, though. Is it ever anything concrete with Zinch, right? Like, can you conceive of a, a concrete? Uh, he's so uh, mercurial that um, both always affects Zinch and never affects Zinch. Um, yeah, I, I could see some lore tidbits like the Bray tribes are more rambunctious than ever or something like that. But that's yeah. true. The, the more bestial elements of a Zichian like army would be with it. Yeah. The Zangors for sure. Good point. Yeah. I would love them to tie back into the incarnates because back when I mentioned a little bit earlier about the Afridi, the incarnates were also models that games workshop made back in Warhammer fantasy battles. So we had an elemental of fire and we had an elemental of Gur, which coinkadinkly, mm-hmm. if you've been watching Warhammer plus and you saw uh, the latest Age of Sigmar animation, there was a spot-on recreation of the incarnate of Gur that was released by Forge World as one of the models that's in the animation. So I, I like that we're dipping back into previous design and bringing it into Age of Sigmar without having to make it an old-world recreation. Yeah. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Um, so the Cronspine is not what the models were sculpted to be before. And we don't have to be like, oh, it's from the old world. No, it's just Age of Sigmar. And that's totally okay and totally fine. And we're going to have fun with it. So, super cool. cool. Uh, Another question related to Zinch, uh, patron of the show. Thank you very much, Dog Tired. Uh, They ask, uh, do you think Zinch is happy? Uh, And he suspects that he must be. Um, Maybe this is related, maybe it isn't. But uh, what do you guys think? Do you think Zinch is happy? Uh, I... I think he's like a Gordon Ramsay. Like he's got a whole bunch of like a bunch of people in the kitchen all working feverishly like against one another, kind of like, you know, uh, his show. But he himself is kind of enjoying it. Like he's just he's had a bit to drink. He feels like cussing a few times. He's having a good time. Everyone else is miserable. But (laughs) I have never heard that comparison. I don't know if this is a comparison you you bring out regularly or if this is the first, if this is a first. Oh, I say it all the time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> My name is T plus stuff and Zinch is like Gordon Ramsay. It's just they go together. Uh delightful. Uh Paul, do you think uh, Zinch is <laughs> sure. As, as far as any immortal god, 
who dwells and exists off of the terrible emotions of humans can be happy. Sure. Make, we'll go with make, this. That make me happy. Um, I think I said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, I think Zinch is happy because according to him, all of this is going to plan. This is going exactly the way he planned. And if that were the case, how could you not be happy? Right. And so whether or not that's true is up for debate. Uh, but if things are going his way, I, I mean, he, I'm sure he's got a, there's a, there's a sly grin on that, on that dude's face. Yeah. Um, all right, let's shift gears. We'll head over to the Luminous side of things. And so uh, another patron of the show, Tyromancer, uh, he asks, um, how does the LRL, the Lumineth hero, so that is the Scenarian Lightener, differ from a lore master in the lore? Um, so what do you guys think? What, how, how does this um, Enlightener differentiate herself from either the lore master or how does she make her mark? Um, how, how is she unique in the, in the Lumineth range? Yeah, I struggle with this last time too. To be honest, I think she's just a super cheap Sinari hero. Like that's that's her main selling point. Lore wise, there's not like a concrete. I mean, they give, they give her like the fluff of like, yeah, she's really good at magic. You know, like everybody else is. <laughs> Who isn't? Jeez. I, I I enjoyed the. She's an enlightener, and I'm gonna enlighten you by killing you. <laughs> but it's totally okay because I'm gonna enlighten you. Like, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that quite a bit, but. Yeah, she's still a Lumineth Realm Lord spellcaster. Um, she does kind of cool things in the rules. Um, and again, the best head that we have for any model in forever. Uh, but uh, it's it's a little bit hard to parse. It comes down to my understanding is one who studies and one who's intended to go out and educate those who don't are ignorant. And so it seems a little bit more like a punishment-based character as opposed to a learning-based character. The, those who can do and those who can't teach, or in this case, those who can't enlighten. Um, yeah, so I had a hard time nailing down. Like normally they do, sometimes they even go overboard, they being GW, in terms of like trying to identify an, identify an identity uh, for models, right? Where they really like shoehorn or like, silo yeah. uh, thing where you're like it, it's written on their face exactly what their theme is or like generally what their concept is for something um it, across all, I mean, all, their whole range and i think that's probably the goal right like is the idea is like at a glance you should you should be able to like discern what something's like theme or like what its core is it should tell a lot like the, it should tell the story just by looking at the model that's why they're such a great models companies because they can do that so well however i have a hard time coming up with what the theme is for this enlightener. Sure, the term enlightener into what Paul was just saying is I guess there's some element of teaching baked into it. But beyond that, like there's no so like no slappy in the face, um, obvious thematic element to this thing. She doesn't have a paintbrush and she's like calligraphying something, or I'm trying to think what the other ones are. Like um uh, she, she just like, literally does have a paintbrush and is literally well, yeah, no, that's, writing yeah, in no, that's, the room. Come on, give me some credit. I know. I, mean, <laughs> I do do a lore podcast, uh, but she doesn't have the, the the sorrow veil over her face where she's like absorbing. Like, I mean, see, all this stuff is like very like con not yeah. concrete, but um, like uh, contained theme. Whereas this gal, she's holding the rune, and I don't know that you even talk about the rune that she's holding all that much, and so or beyond just like a, a couple of like sentences, maybe referencing it. So all that to be said is that I don't know how she differentiates herself beyond maybe the fact that she does not differentiate herself. She is, she feels generic. Um, now that may be because they don't, they might not dedicate too many lines uh, to her in this particular book. And maybe the, the battle tome that is 
presumably is coming, we'll spend more time deep diving into like really get into the core of what this thing is, because I, I didn't see it all that clearly in this book here. That's what I think. Well, the only thing is that she's holding a rune and that rune has a special rule that I think allows you to duplicate spells. Oh, but that's, that's kind of hard to parse from cool. I'm holding a rune to I have a special ability. That sure. And there's also some element of like wounding her also wounds you too. But it, that's, again, that's not baked into like what the model is, right? Like she's not wearing that on her sleeve. Or if she was, she wears it on her sleeve and oops, now you're wearing it on your sleeve too. Mm-hmm. Um, ouch. <laughs> uh, all right, next. Let's keep them coming. Um, well, back to patron of the show, Dog Tired. They ask, are Lumineth portrayed any differently than they usually are? No, nope. remember this being a short answer. No, nope. nope. turds and yeah, no, that's about it. I hear a second nope. I'll third that nope. Nope, they're pretty pretty uh, standard at this point. Aloof. I mean, the one exception maybe being that Harkiran, um, like drunk drunken master uh, guy. He's a little different, but like we've seen him before, and by no means is he indicative of the Lumineth as a whole. I wouldn't say. Um, Doctor Howard also asks uh, any insight into the techless side of things or any of the other elements. Not really. He's a bad HOA manager. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, true. <laughs> you, you gotta call Paul up. He'll set you straight. Um, yeah, that'd be dad level deity with a deep kin. <laughs> uh, and then, all right, all right. So those are the, the essentially the two factions, or the, the questions that folks had about those factions in this book. Um, do you guys have any additional? interesting tidbits that you want to bring up before we wrap it up with some additional listener questions and then we'll close her out any more things you guys want to i have exhausted my my depths of lore tidbits i'll be and you've exhausted and you've exhausted us too boom gotcha all right um a few more listener questions I, oh my gosh it was right there it was right <laughs> Y'all are there savage one another it's allowed. it's allowed uh we family all right so uh, a few more listener questions um that not specifically pertaining to anything else that we've talked to you up above. All right, Darth Alec had a couple of good ones, and I wanted to ask him here. Darth Alec asks, uh, how do you feel these boxes contribute to the overall lore? I feel like we've dabbled in this question, but do you guys have any additional thoughts about how these boxes contribute to the lore at large? Any thoughts? Um, you know, the one thing I can say is that they definitely fill the world out by making good use of that map and stuff that we talked about, how they're kind of filling out locations and, and names to people. But that being said, it doesn't affect anything with a major story arc, like mm. overall. So, and which I like. It, not everything can be pushing stuff, you know, dramatically forward. So I, I like it. Yeah, I can't see them picking up this storyline and pushing it forward to make the game go somewhere else at this point. It, but You're sure, yeah, it, it's a self-contained storyline. It feels like. Yeah, um, I like. I mean, when these boxes do contribute to the overall overall lore, I do like it. I think the arena Shane's one like like picks back up in a, in a setting where we've seen before in Harkiron, and I think uh, Shadow and Pain kind of touched on the Broken Realm stuff. So I do like when they tie in, but like aren't necessary reading per se. This this box set doesn't even do that much. Although I mean, in some ways, it's just it shows the effects of sort of a post. Uh, Spirefall Lumineth Society or present day Lumineth Society, but it doesn't necessarily tie in, into major stories as we've talked about before. Um, I like when they do, but I don't think it's necessary. So I, I like this one just fine, even though it doesn't um, tap into those bigger overall lower story beats. Um, another question for Darth Alec Day. Uh, yes. Um, what do you feel about nearly every book release now being preceded by a duo box? How do you guys feel about from a release perspective that these boxes keep coming out before the battle tomes do? Uh, what do you think? I, I've never been a massive fan, to be honest with you. I, the f- fear of missing out as a business strategy has never been interesting to me. But I mean, that being said, like oh, that being said, like they're great if if you know it's a faction you want to do, 
And so that's definitely a, an area that I will always like push people towards. Like if you think in the next year that you're going to want to do anything with Lumineth or uh, Zinch, like it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 Paul, what do you think? How do you feel about these boxes coming out? Battle, coming out before the battle tomes do. I love the stories in the battle boxes. I've loved them for oh, yeah. a long time and I really enjoy them. So anything that gives me that lore is going to be an immediate bonus. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to buy all the models for the army, but I, I did read this book and it made me want to buy the models, even though I was like, oh, I don't need these models. It's okay. I don't collect these armies. I'll be totally fine. Yeah. So in that sense, like it was absolutely a success for me reading through it. Um, but I don't have a problem with them releasing these battle boxes because it's just another way to get a different collection of models because they're not the same models that you ever then start collecting. And, you know, hopefully you'll get them for like a decent price and you'll, maybe you'll split two boxes and then you can double up. Like, yeah. So I, I'm totally fine with them. It, it doesn't bother me either way. Um, I am the last person to ask whether or not these boxes are a good idea or not because it's one of the few things that I like actively, not few things, well, definitely not few things that I actively like collect. And so uh, now it's in my psyche and I get like a huge dopamine hit whenever they come out with new ones. And so like, these are exactly, you talk about <laughs> the business model of fear of missing out. I am fear of missing out embodied. Uh, I wake up in cold sweats because I, I worry I just missed out on something. Um, and so uh, because of that, I am a terrible, a terrible uh, advocate for the listeners here. So I, I love every second, every time the new ones come out. I think there's probably going to be another one when they do the d- two Destruction Army books that are presumably coming out later in this month. I'm looking forward to that one too. Keep them coming. Please don't ever stop. Um, and then the story, the stories that come along with them are, are cool too, I suppose. But really just give me that sweet, sweet, <laughs> uh, give me that sweet, sweet cardboard box insert so that I can put them up on my wall, right? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love it. God, I'm the worst. All right, so... Um, and then Darth Alec also asks, uh, is it worth picking up the lower section of out-of-production boxes? So those boxes that uh, came before, is it worth picking up those lower sections? I think I said this before, I don't know how you would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't necessarily advocate for it because I don't know how you would do it. Um, I mean, I bought a few on eBay, for oh, yeah. sure. Oh, you might have um, said, no, gotcha. And, and, and they can be worth it so long as you know, you're getting, you, you know what you want out of it. Usually they're going to be like five bucks or something like that. And if all you're looking for is some cool pictures in a story, yeah, yeah, why not? I wouldn't pay anything more than that. I'm surprised that somebody is selling them for five bucks. I guess I've never looked. Um, wow. Yeah, store owners will buy a whole bunch of boxes and then throw all the contents up individually on eBay. Oh, I see, I see. I guess that makes sense. Plus, there's probably plenty of people who just want either A, just the models or the rules, and they don't care about uh, the books. And I don't like those people. Um, that's I'm just as, list- as people. <laughs> yeah, d- dear listener, if that's you, I was ju- I, I, you know I was just kidding. I I, I like you. He's not plenty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, so okay, interesting. So yeah, if you want to go and get them, I suppose if they're fi- they're definitely worth five bucks. If that's all they're if that's all they cost, yeah, I would advocate you get them for sure. Um, or and I now I recall how I answered this previously. Uh, don't bother spending the five bucks, and instead start listening to the mortal realms story phase because we're going to start covering them more often i think going forward he promised without uh, guaranteeing any real any real change in his <laughs> um all right we got uh, just uh, one more question and then we'll get out of here or one more question and then we'll wrap her up um so akarian asks uh is there any hint on which chaos deity is benefiting the most from the current setting well i recall that i was going to actually ask this earlier and i still didn't do it um any hint 
which chaos deity is benefiting the most from the current setting, when, whether that's the era of beasts or any of the other major events that are occurring right now. Do you guys have any thoughts on who's benefiting the most? I, s- I don't remember what I said. Last. I think corn. It's never directly stated, but I would imagine corn is. Sure. Mm. Beast fighting bloody. That tracks. Yeah. I'm sure there's all sorts of skulls flopping around. That's not how skulls work. Um, Paul, what do you think? Uh, who's I'm going to... Go out to left field. I'm gonna be like the horned rat is probably having a field day. That's what you said. Yeah, it is what I said, um, and I still agree with it because there's so much chaos. He has so he has his own realm gates. He does he doesn't care. He'll be fine. Like yeah, I think the realm of beasts is just gonna be perfect fodder, especially because Molder is all about building these big beasts, and so they'll maybe harness and incarnate and build a massive abomination that makes no sense whatsoever but look will look really cool why not why not have fun with it right i'm very cool um i think i recall my answer being uh, i believe he's not a chaos guy but i believe archaeon's gonna benefit from the setting because he's getting a book later this year and so there must be a reason he has to be somehow t- tapped into what's going on here um <laughs> although despite the fact that like the eight points is getting cracked like I don't know, four different ways lately. So maybe he's not actually doing all that well, but eh, it remains to be seen. Um, So I look forward to finding out more. All right. That was the last of the questions, at least that I'm going to ask up here. We're going to, we're going to close her out with our final parting thoughts. I want to know what you thought about the book. Um, Any final review? Um, Let's, let's leave them with our, our, our honest to goodness opinions. Um, Paul lead, lead the way. Tell us what you thought about this as a whole. Um, I would give it probably six of eight spider legs. I enjoyed it. It was different than the previous battle boxes, which again, I really enjoyed. I, I liked that they had two characters that they included that weren't necessarily their own standalone heroes in the box. I love that they killed a character. I love, I, I really enjoyed the plot twist and I really enjoyed getting to know this specific corner of the realm that I didn't know that much about before. So this is what I love and want to see from Battle Boxes coming forward is just a dedicated little story that is super intriguing, adds to your understanding of the background, and makes you want to fight with models, because why not? That's exactly what it's for. Very cool. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, what you, would you think of this here uh, story? Yeah, I have to, uh, to second Paul's thing. I mean, to me, the Battle Boxes, they have a few purposes, right, of... Uh, enticing you with new models uh, to get into existing factions and then give you a meaningful start to them. And I think for both Lumineth and Sinch, there are both great aspects to the models included. And of course, new, new exclusive heroes, or you get them early at least before everyone else can. Um, and then, you know, as far as like this is story and contents goes, it does everything it needs to do, which is give you a little slice of the mortal realms. That's not too overwhelming. You're not drinking from a fire hydrant gives you a place an enemy a hero and a, you know a reason for them to be fighting and that i think that's really what warhammer is right it's just a bunch of crazy fantasy things and why we are we are why are you and i at this table playing a game together and um to be able to do all of that for you know relatively cheap meaning like instead of buying the kit separately or having to take the time to construct your own campaign i think it does a wonderful job yeah Right on. Very cool. Um, I echo a lot of your guys' sentiments. So I feel like I stressed this the last time we recorded it, but I haven't stressed this one in that this was the first time we've really talked about a battle box story on the story phase. Normally we try to go a little bit bigger, but frankly, we're running out of things to talk about. So we thought we would narrow it down. We would uh, zoom in on one of these smaller stories. And although I've read bits and pieces of pretty previous battle box um, story inserts, this is really the first one that I've really 
tried to dissect or, or you know break apart to some degree. And in doing so, I like it. I dig it, and I want to do more of it. Um, I love this is maybe speaking generally for all the battle box stories and that like, I love that they fill in the space. We've talked about how it adds, you know, detail to things on the map. Well, it not only just names and cities and things of that nature, but it adds like a little bit of flavor to the rules and to the, the spaces where things get fought. Right. And so not only just the armies and, and a lot of times it just reflects what we already know from the battle boxes, barring the new units or new units or new heroes that often get added to these things. But like it, it zooms in on these places as well. And, I'm a sucker for the places of the moral realms. Heck, it's the name of the podcast network, right? It's not the denizens of the moral realms. We are the moral realms, right? It's the realms and the the places and and locales within it, because those I find the most interesting parts. Um, I just made that up. That's not the reason why the moral realms is called that. Um, And so... uh, (laughs) I don't eat locale anything. I will let you know, Aaron. So uh, you're (laughs) completely misleading. All right. So um, I'm I'm digging, definitely digging this battle box, and it makes me want to continue to read more uh, as well. Yeah. that we can get snapshots or glimpses into the, those little spaces in the, the maps of the mortal realms and and get to tell cool stories and and live through cool stories that are being told to us i'm also a big fan of that too i'm much more of a content consumer than an, i am any sort of narrative creator um all that to be said uh i dig it uh i recommend reading these things like it, it they're great bite-sized bite stories to fill in the mm-hmm. spaces while we wait for the next, you know, big sweeping uh, changes to the moral realms. It's definitely great uh, opportunities to tide you over um, as well. So for that, I advocate for it. I guess I'd give it like a, I don't know, 16 out of 18 Sarandua clones, perhaps. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So that's where I, I fall. I mean, it's good, but I, it's... To put it up up over the edges, if it would actually tie it into the larger storyline, like some of the previous battle boxes did before. Um, Interesting. So to me, putting it up over the edge would have been like a perfect score. Is I had no intention of playing this army, and now I desperately want to because oh, I have sure. a couple of these models. Okay. Uh, did you guys ever me, have a battle box do that to you? Well, I have all. I mean, I have bits and pieces of every army, so it's hard for me to say. Okay. I, How about I, Paul? You're human. Uh, battle for Skull Pass. Battle for Skull. Oh Pass. yeah. yeah. Oh, because I, I had no and no night goblins and I bought like eight copies of the box and I had a massive night goblin army. I still have like six hundred night goblins from Battle mm. World Mass in my collection. And then I ended up with a hundred spider riders, and that's actually how I started playing spider goblins. Is because I just had a hundred spider goblins that I had nothing to do with. And then I ended up being able to go to Warhammer World and I was like, what can I do here? That's super cool and interesting. Oh, I can do a made-to-order, and they'll give it to me in two hours. Sounds great. So I ordered four gigantic spiders with uh, goblin war bosses, and that was the start of my army. Sure. So, go. so Paul's the human one in this scenario. You're, you're trying to tell me Paul's the human uh, in between the two of us. Um, yeah, there's a spreadsheet. Yes, for this exact moment. You goofball. All right. Um, with that, does anybody have any other final thoughts before we shut her down? No, I don't think so. All right, because here it comes. Uh, it's time for our reforging. With Sigmar willing, we'll be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. And Doug, where can they find you online? Yeah, best place is on YouTube. And just look up Age of Sigmar lore or my channel name, 2 Plus Tough. And Paul, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me at PJ Shard. And I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosAsos. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Mm-hmm.
Hey, we recorded it. It's still, going. it's still going, in fact. I can see it. We're going to stop yeah, it. Me too. We're going to stop it right now. Or, I mean, uh, there's a little blue for our podcast. And I don't know if this will stick, but for the sake of you guys, I'll probably cut it. But, uh, and then, like, your, your one night stand was there. And then you wake up the next morning and they're gone. And then, like, it turns out that they joined a cult just to get away from you. And you're like, oh, yep. all right, again? This Rude. is the second time. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> what? Um, I get it. Though. I got one of those faces. Um, hey, so, they were looking for quintessence. They were looking for perfection. And you know what, buddy? You just weren't it. Yeah. No. Nope. Not the first time I've heard that. Um, all right. So uh, 